Welcome to the Independent News Hour on WBAI 99.5 FM. In New York, I'm Amba Gargarian, filling in this week for John Tarleton. I'm John's colleague at the Independent, New York City's progressive newspaper and website. That's I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-E-N-T dot org. And we have a very special guest coming on, so I'm going to jump into things um, pretty shortly. But first, I just want to let people know that we won't be doing any headlines this week in John's absence, but we have a very exciting show planned for everybody. So the following segment will describe some graphic jail conditions and may not be suited for children, just for our listeners out there. The violent and horrendous conditions on Rikers Island have been making headlines in the news again. This is at least in part because the Corrections Officers Benevolent Association, commonly known as COBA, and the three different unions that represent healthcare workers in the city have begun to speak out about how violent um, the hallways are and how and how terrible the conditions are in the past couple months. While some of these horrendous conditions on the island have been exacerbated since the onset of the pandemic, things, as we know, have always been bad on Rikers. And in 2017, Mayor Bill de Blasio announced that the penal colony would be closed down and replaced by four jails in every, sorry, would be, the the mayor announced that the penal colony would be closed down and replaced by four jails in every borough except Staten Island by 2026. The mayor himself has not gone to visit this dangerous situation since this recent outcry um, from COBA and and the uh, the different um, unions that represent the healthcare workers, in addition to decarceral groups that represent um, people who are incarcerated, have began to speak out since August. The mayor has not gone to visit, but a delegation of 11 state officials did visit um, the island on September 15th, and they reported horrible conditions that basically constitute a a humanitarian crisis on the island. And the jail itself is very overcrowded with a population that has surged to more than 6,000 people, which is above pre-pandemic levels. Soon we will be speaking with Cleveland, who's been incarcerated for 28 months. He spent the first year of his sentence on Rikers and then was moved to the Vernon C. Bain Correctional Center, which is in the Bronx, right across from Rikers, shares many of the same conditions and staff, and is commonly called the boat. Now, we should have Cleveland calling in from the boat any second, but as he is calling in from jail and things can't be exactly on time, he may not be ready quite yet. So let me check on on this. So it looks like we are still waiting for Cleveland to join. So I could do a little pitching in the meantime. Obviously, we all love WBAI. WBAI is the only station on the radio that really represents independent media on all of New York City's radio. And how we provide independent, ad-free, non-corporate media is by having donors. And so anything that anybody can give always can help. You can give 
by calling 212-209-2950 or go online to give to the number 2wbai.org. That's 212-209-2950 or online at give the number 2wbai.org. Where else are you going to hear from someone who's on Rikers, who's willing to talk with us? And I think we have Cleveland here. Cleveland, are you here? Okay, Cleveland, if you could do your best to speak up just because we do have people listening and I know the phone lines are poor, but um, we're excited to jump into this. So welcome, Cleveland. As I just said, Cleveland has been incarcerated for 28 months. He spent his first year on Rikers and then was just moved right across the bridge to the boat. So the boat shares staff and lots of conditions with Rikers. Um, Welcome, Cleveland. It's, It's great to have you here. Absolutely. So first off, just tell us a little bit about some of the conditions that you experience on a day-to-day basis from cleanliness to, um, you know, sort of violence in the halls. Oh, wow. Um, it's not even enough, enough time in a day. Uh, I know. <laughs> but, uh, we'll work through this. Um, as far as, like, we're not provided with a lot of services. That's that's actually mandated. It's our right to have. They get violated constantly. So we have a lot of lack of services that we should get five days a week. Sometimes we're lucky to get them two or three days a week. Um, as far as like law library, and some people represent themselves. And if the law library escort officer isn't here, or say he has a day off or a sick day, or because of short staff, they pull him to help at another post then we are uh, basically not afforded that service. And some of our, some things are time sensitive, so we have to get, you know, like I'm working on a, a case right now, a suit for the state, and it's, it's, it's imperative that I get these services because I have to send things to the court within a certain amount of time, like motions and, and, and you know, amendments and things, you know, things that they ask for, uh, evidence, and this really hurts our case, and it, um, and it causes us to end up losing, actually. It, it hinders us tremendously. Um, another service is, is mail. Um, on top of the law library services, you know, like, say, some of us submit things that we need and we request certain legal material. We won't get it for two or three, four weeks. I got paperwork where I didn't receive it for over a month. Um, the same mm-hmm. thing is with mail. Um, mail, sometimes we, we wait on stuff. That's uh, like I, try, I try to have my loved ones put a track in them on everything because if they don't, sometimes it just never makes it to me. Other times, mm-hmm. like I said about uh, sending things to court, that's how I communicate with the courts is through the mail. So if I have to send something certified, I have receipts where I've submitted something and it didn't, it didn't go out for three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, the same happens for other people. It's not just me. This is a system problem, systematic problem that goes on. But it's not the, the it's only one male officer. And, not her fault she's a good worker it's just she doesn't have any help she has to have days off sometimes they pull the, you know pull them to help with commissary or go to other posts and when they do that we just don't get mail services so it's at least twice a week we might not get services between monday and friday when we're supposed to and and remind people how why it's so imperative that you all have access to the law library and access to ways to represent yourself because Almost everyone's held pre-trial, correct? Absolutely. 
um, it's a lot of us here, like I've been here 28 months, there's other people here have been four years, three years, and it's it's crazy, they haven't even started their trials yet. Some people are, are hello? Go ahead. Oh, it's not like you get cut off clicking. Um, some people have, uh, are literally waiting over eight to 10 months just for discovery. Some people have been here for longer than that and still haven't received all of their discovery. So yeah, having access to law library is, is very, um, it's imperative, like we gotta have it, but they just started allowing us to go in person. Now the problem with that is they only allow five of us at a time. So if five of us go today, the other 40 people, 42 people in here do not get to go. They're just SOL basically, and they could submit something, but if they submit a, a law library request slip, they might not get that material back for another three to four weeks. And how is this, Cleveland, how is this, violating your due process um well, how is this? A, the, the long the long you have three three years is that legal i mean is this a violation Absolutely of due process not. definitely not um by law they're supposed to they're supposed to um bring us to trial within six months mm. and, 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 and that violates so many people are way past that way past mm. that we're supposed to get our discovery within a certain amount of time i think they took it all the way down to 15 days now but What's discovery? Eight months for me, and, and they try to use COVID as an excuse. But a lot of us been violated way before COVID even started. Right. And can you just explain to our listeners who might not know what discovery is? Uh, discovery is all of the evidence and the, the the things that they have against you, which you're being charged with, or your accusations. So mm-hmm. a lot of times they don't provide you all of the evidence and things they have because they don't have much of nothing, and. So they'll they'll play these games to hold you here way beyond against your will, way beyond the lawful time allotted, allowed, and a lot of people from going through these things that we go through in here, the, the lack of food, the lack of services, the, the the lack of medical care, the lack of mental health, and just you know so many things. It's just so many things they do. I've seen a lot of men snap. A mm-hmm. lot of men lose themselves, and they use these tactics to, a lot of men cop out and plead just to basically, quote, unquote, hurry up and get it over with, just so they get the mm-hmm. hell out of here. And and a lot of men, some of them are not even guilty, but they prefer to just to go on and plead and cop out to get this over with. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about how your due process is violated, but now talk about how just your rights as someone behind bars are being violated, because I think... Some people might have an idea that people are stripped of every right um, once they get locked up, and, and that's that's not the reality. Um, you've mentioned, you know, inedible yeah. food. So how are your what how are your basic rights being violated? Just as as someone who's incarcerated, we have we there's a need for so many things like PPE. Even the officers don't have proper PPE, so we we definitely don't get it all the time. We go without soap sometimes for days, toothpaste, toothbrushes for days, simple, basic necessities. We have mildewed and, and, and stinking and molded shower curtains that we only have sh- seven showers in my unit. There's only two shower curtains because all the rest are so torn and mildewed and disgusting. We've been having them for three months. And things like that, they, we ordered them over three months ago and we still have yet to receive them. We have simple things like leaking toilets. And because these things constantly leak, people slip and fall and they hurt themselves. And then you have a medical emergency. Now you're walking around with a cane or crutches 
depending on how severely it is, uh, food that is served, a lot of times uh, enough is not adequately afforded to us. And some people don't get to eat or they're not afforded a full, complete tray like all the rest people. Like seven or eight of us might not get two or three of the things that came on the tray because it ran out. And a lot of times they don't provide anything extra for us. When they provide food, fruit for us, a lot of times half of the fruit is rotted or have holes all in it from the bugs. Um, mm. That's a big issue. Um, I've had incidents where I've bit into some chili and, and, and bit into gravel rocks. Me and, and another mm. gentleman. Um, and all of these things have been documented and, and reported with Board of Corrections, 311, grievances. And what's crazy is it's sad that the public, it's, I'm glad they're finally hearing about it, but these things have been going on ever since I've been incarcerated. This is nothing mm -hmm. new. So I'm glad it's out finally. Um, another thing is simple stuff like uh, like the gang violence is, is, is extremely because that's always been going on. And they put different people with different classifications in the same houses, which they're not supposed to do. Somebody mm -hmm. with a high classification is in a house with a low classification. When they, they tricked me into something and, and threw me in a high classification PC house when I wasn't even supposed to be in a PC house or a high classification house. And, and what's that like? Two days. I'm sorry. What was it like? What was it like being in there? Um, well, I just stayed to myself because I was uh, really I was injured real bad, and so I stayed in my cell because I was in so much pain. I was forced to walk from one side of the building to the other with the crutches, uh, with the messed up ankle on one foot and a and a uh, nerve damaged bad leg on the other. And so from doing that long walk, I just laid there. And I didn't move for two days, and mm. they, uh, had to get a gurney to get me out of there because I refused to sign paperwork. Um, right. A lot of things that we need, like simple things, like some people aren't as, as fortunate to, for their family to send them like T-shirts and socks. So DOC provides these things, but a lot of times we go a month or two without T-shirts, socks, underwear. Simple, mm -hmm. basic necessities, commissary, Lord. Commissary mm -hmm. is not afforded adequately. Uh, only 50% of the complete list is afforded, and out of that 50% that's afforded, they put limits on things like one or two bottles of, of water, which is only like 16 ounces, 16.9 ounce bottles of water that can't last me a whole seven days. I don't drink mm -hmm. out of the sinks because the water is horrible here. A lot of our skin is messed up and, and uh, spotty from the hard water here and, and, and our diets. It's hard to, su to sustain a healthy immune system being here with the food that they serve. I don't think it's even fit for animals. Mm -hmm. And and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the conditions, and then we'll uh, we'll um, you know get get past this really terrible stuff. But I just do want our listeners to you know know what's going on. It's, this is in New York City, and this is happening to people. Well, nobody, no human deserves this, but it's particularly atrocious that that none of, almost none of you have been convicted of anything. Um, so talk a little bit about your experience of first coming into Rikers and the situation with your bed, if you don't mind sharing that, and any other yes, recent um, experience well, you've I, had going through intake. When I first got arrested, uh, I was gunshot victim, so I was I had shot in the chest, my shoulder, my uh, hand, my legs, uh, one leg, I had two bullet holes in it, and I was about three and a half weeks, fresh gunshot wounds, and they, um, they, they chained me to a lot of other guys all together, like a, a chain line, 
and he forced me to walk upstairs when I couldn't hardly walk at all. Um, I fell. Luckily, the uh, other inmates that was chained to me caught me from behind, and, you know, I just, you know, persevered through. But that was a lot of pain. I was supposed I was on antibiotics. They kept, I had to uh, keep going over and over to the doctor to get my antibiotics because they kept moving me around, and they kept stopping my antibiotics. The cell they put me in was disgusting to where I could easily caught an infection. Uh, they didn't let me see medical my first day uh, getting arraigned. I had a lot of pains. I kept pleading with them to see uh, the doctor. Uh, they kept me there for like six, seven hours and then tried to force me right into court and uh, for arraignment. And they refused to let me see the doctor. I finally got attention of a captain or dep, and I told them what happened and everything was going on, and they allowed me to go see the doctor. The doctor gave me two pain pills and sent me and told me, come see them after court. They gave me uh, basically like two ibuprofens and said, come see them after court. Needless to say, I never got to see them again after. And uh, and at the at the time that you were processed, I think you had a, you know, relatively, although that is terrible, you didn't spend too long in intake. So, um, you know, for our yeah. listeners, people get first put into intake cells. They're not supposed to spend you more than 24 hours. Um, I you're going to have one. I stayed, I stayed in intake so, like eight hours. So you say intake eight hours, right? So, but now there's been recent reports of people spending weeks in intake. And Cleveland, you told me during one of our conversations that you actually had to walk through intake recently and you saw some pretty gnarly stuff, some people trying to hurt themselves. Would you mind telling that? Yes, I went to um, like West Facility or Bellevue Hospital. And when I came back, uh, intake was packed. And, 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 and that's my experience on the island. I've been overcrowded, way overcrowded. 30 people in the holding cell when it's peak times for COVID. And two gentlemen uh, tried to hang themselves. And I reported this over six months ago because they don't pay attention. And the, 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 lack, of, the lack of proper you know, care and management, you could hang yourself and they wouldn't know for hours. And sooner, sooner or later, this is exactly what happened. Two people tried to hang Thank themselves. you for using Securus. Goodbye. So... That is how uh, calls go um, when you're talking to someone who's incarcerated. They just end. You usually have 15 or 20 minutes to call. I believe that Cleveland is going to call us back, but um, I'll finish up with a little bit of reporting on, on that story. Uh, 11 people have died on Rikers since 2000, uh, sorry, since the beginning of this year, since the onset of 2021, um, many of which were suicides, and that is um, unfortunately, not unusual for Rikers. People often commit suicide um, on the island or, or after their experiences on the island. Um, but this is this is a, a very high number, 11 since the onset of the year. So um, we hopefully will be hearing back from Cleveland in one minute to finish up the conversation. Um, checking in on that now. Thank you, everybody, for bearing with me here. Like I said, this is the reality of being in communication with somebody who is behind bars. Um, visitations are very short, often 15 to 30 minutes. Mail, as Cleveland said, is very difficult. And, you know, the list goes on. Um, I think, you know, uh, 
he was maybe sparing some of our ears, but I will go ahead and say that, you know, uh, some of the guys that I've been talking to on the inside have ha- seen some really uh, insane things. The other day I talked to someone who, while he was taking a nap, um, was thrown uh, uh, a plate of feces in the face. And this is obviously um, all a symptom of the carceral system that we are living with. Now, I am not sure if Cleveland's going to be able to call back and we sort of need to move on with the show. So, oh, let's see. Cleveland is back. Okay, so we're going to finish up with Cleveland and then we'll move on. Cleveland, are you there? Hello? One moment. Okay, thank you. Thank you again, everybody for bearing with us on WBAI. Hello, Cleveland, you back? Yes, ma'am. Okay, great. So we only have a couple minutes to wrap up with you, but um, I just wanted to give you uh, a couple moments to say anything you'd like to say, anything you felt like was left out, and uh, and if there's any way that we can support you. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to say, basically, I feel like the city state of New York and the city, the people have failed us tremendously. A lot of us are in here that shouldn't be in here. And and a lot of people don't know the torture and the, the horrendous conditions that we really go through. Mental health is a major issue for a lot of inmates. They go a long time without proper care. And a lot of times they'll put a mental patient in the housing unit that they shouldn't belong in and they end up getting hurt or or they end up hurting someone else and they should be in a different housing unit that can cater to their needs properly. That is a major issue here as well as mixing different classifications and different people and putting problematic people in certain areas where they shouldn't be. That is a, a major issue besides all the lack of services. Right. The shortage of staff is, is, is so bad to where if, if, if an officer that's doing like a double and into a triple shift, they're so worn out from doing this three or four days in a row, if a fight breaks out, they're too weak to even intervene or to break up anything. A lot of us inmates actually will help the officer or feed the officers, which is crazy, you know, because they're so tired and they're worn out. Sometimes we go days without seeing a captain or a deputy. So, so it's hard to address a lot of issues when you need. We should be wrapping up here, but please do. Is there any way that we can support you? Anything that you suggest, you know, people on the outside do? Um, my thing is, is people just to, to like vote or, and, 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 and support us and for us protesting about our situations. They need to be mm-hmm. corrected immediately. Like it's, 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 it's inhumane. And it's very unconstitutional, the stuff that we go through here. And a lot of us are have nonviolent things, nonviolent charges, mm-hmm. and they have certain people that they keep releasing over and over that are predicates, like armed robbery constantly, five or six times, which is crazy. You have first-time offenders, people like me and others here, who they won't release, even on well, supervised condition release. Cleveland... 
Yes. And we also have people in there who are just in there for parole violations. So thank you so much for speaking with us. Unfortunately, we have to cut it off here. I encourage all of our listeners to look into No New Jails, MAC, other organizations that could help you get in contact with people on the inside. There are people who don't have anyone to talk to. Thank you, Cleveland. Uh, We will talk to you again and, and, and try to, you know, have a peaceful rest of your day.